Yo, 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 yo. It's your boy Roy. This is another episode of Sync Gems. Nice. Had that backup. Did you see that? That's cool. Getting on techie out here. Today, we have J Will. Hashtag XJ Will. I first stumbled across his content on TikTok, actually. As I was trying to get TikTok famous, I saw him and I got all discouraged because he's got it all down. He has this vibe of, about him. And you're going to hear it. It just comes through. It's crazy. He has his own platform where he teaches people how to get syncs. He's been making a full-time living out of sync in the past years. And he has an amazing story. We talk about the importance of simplicity while creating music. We talk about libraries versus agencies. And he really gives a lot of information about why some of us might want to sign with a sync agency as well as with a publisher or a library. We get into the best rabbit hole ever of AI for a minute there. We talk about how it can help us as producers and composers going forward. And to be honest, he dropped so many gems, I didn't know which ones to edit out for the IG. And if we're talking about IG, if y'all want to support this podcast, go rate and review it. On Spotify and Apple, I know that you can only do it through your smartphone. So go scroll down and rate the podcast and review, write a review as well. This really helps the podcast get into more ears and helps more people listen to it. Another thing is we are still running the 30% promo on Michael Moss's course. So if y'all want to take that sync music business course, then this is the last week you can do it. And I would do it if I were you because I took this course and it taught me so much. Coupon code and link will be in the show notes. Any support you give this podcast is really, really appreciated by yours truly. So without further ado, my man, Joshua Williams or J. Will, what, what would you prefer? Yes, J. Will is much better and it's awesome. You got the, the X being silent. So I applaud you for that, Roy. Let's go. <laughs> how have you been, brother? Uh, not too bad. Um, busy. I want to apologize on air for being ridiculously late just because a last minute brief came in. And um, I thankfully, I didn't have to remake anything, but I had something that fit. And so um was trying to get the details together and then they wanted something revised and it, it was a nightmare. So I, I appreciate your patience and understanding. Well, we, we can also uh, at some point dive into that because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a cool little, right. little perk of the, <laughs> of the industry, which is dope. But man, I just, I, you know what, like I've seen your content and again, I've, the second I've seen, I written sync in, um, TikTok, I saw you and then I saw your Instagram and it's so fucking awesome what you're doing and how you're putting yourself out there and just like this this attitude of yours comes out uh, um emanates out of you and it's way bigger than you. 
So I, I'd love to just start with the beginning and how you came uh, to where you are today. How'd you, where'd you grow up and, and, and did you grow up doing music? Like how, how'd you come to where you are right now? Okay. Um, I'll give you the shortened origin story just so that we don't take up too much time. Um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri in the States. And, um, I, I, maybe I should put this in cause I don't normally tell this part. Put of the story. it in. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so I wanted to be a French horn player. Uh, some kids came to my school when I was in elementary and I just saw star Wars, um, like two days, like that weekend and a brass quintet came to our school and I'll never forget this moment because this girl, she played um, May the Force Be With You on French horn. And I was just like, yo, like I just saw that. That's what I want to do when I grow up. And so by the time we actually get to middle school and like, I'm like, hey, I want to learn how to play French horn because I want to play Star Wars stuff because it sounded amazing at that time. And the I went to an inner city school. They only had like two French horns. And they're like, if you don't take private lessons, we're not giving this to you. So I got stuck with trumpet and like because of that, um, it probably is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today, because a lot of people don't realize it, but we get exposed to more music organically through cinema than we do anywhere else. Um, and the most influential time of our lives for picking what taste of music we kind of gravitate to is in middle school. So like, the things you listen to now in in middle school is as far as like being a teenager and things of that nature, like you grow up with those and it becomes part of your personal culture. And so like me picking up the trumpet instead, um, I, I brought it home. My dad was like, oh, I used to play trumpet and like drum and bugle chords when I was in high school. And so we're like fighting over it and trying to he's like, let me show you something. I'm like, let, let me see this. <laughs> and um, my um, my teacher uh, was like, hey, this kid actually likes practicing. That's weird. Um, you should probably get this kid some lessons. And my parents went ahead and did that. And um, I was fortunate enough to get a full ride scholarship to school at a conservatory for jazz studies. Um, so I was I was classically trained. I was playing in orchestras and things like that. So I, I had a thirst for theory and all that good stuff when I was a kid. Um, then when I got into college, I had the fortunate um, opportunity to kind of do a lot of touring. So we went to Japan, we went to the UK, France. With a classical uh, orchestra? No, on, on the, on the, on, under jazz studies. Oh, wow. But the crazy thing was that while we were in, this is showing my age a little bit, but like back in my day when you got a uh, jazz, uh, an emphasis on jazz, you still had to do the classical stuff too, which was good for me just because like I'm playing a, an orchestral instrument. I probably should know some rep. You know what I'm saying? Just just because it makes you a better performer. So like um, we had to learn, I had to basically, it was almost like a double degree because I had to take both classes for, for everything. And um, from there, it was great um, because I had the opportunity to kind of see the world and it, that was really fun. Uh, but when we got back and I was done with school, um, I realized like, yo, they taught us how to play, but they didn't teach us how to eat. Because what happened was um, when one of the adjunct faculty members invited me out to a, one of his shows, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come through just because like I got back from off tour, so I need to show face so I could try to get some work, 
right? As a as a, like just a full time horn player. And um, I found out the the concert was a benefit concert for his health insurance. And I was like, yo, this is me in 20, 30 years. Something's going to have to change because I see the same. We're on the same trajectory here. So um, that's how I got into film scoring was because like as a jazz musician, I'm just making melodies all the time. I might as well just write them down. And so um, we at first it was um, I, I got into publishing first, which was like. I was running a, a neo soul R&B funk band and um, I was like, hey, guys, we're, we're all just going to start making um, our own. We're just going to start performing our own music. And in the Midwest, that's a little hard to do because everyone loves their covers. I totally understand. That's fine. Um, so I got a little pushback at first. But when the royalty checks came in because I was logging in every time someone or we played some of our music in a stadium or on a uh, at a gig, we opened up for Earth, Wind, and Fire one year, which was really fun. Um, when when we got those, we were getting paid twice for the same gig. And so I was like, yo, like, how do we do this without having to be up at night for like four or five hours playing? You know what I'm saying? And that's how I got into film scoring. Um, from there, I realized that in the Midwest, there's not, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to work with like directors with budgets and things of that nature. And so... My first, my first film gig, and I was so fortunate that he actually let me do it because I had no experience. Um, it was a Sherlock Holmes um, short for like 15 minutes, scored the, all the music to it. And I was like, I can, I can get used to this as far as like learning the doll and all that good stuff. And um, from there, um, got into sync licensing as far as with, okay, if I can do this for smaller budget films with with like indie producers and or not producers, uh, filmmakers and things like that, where are the big budgets coming from? And so doing months of research, cause I didn't know what I was doing and I, there wasn't a, a, a platform for me to kind of learn from. Um, I want to say 18 months went by. I finally got signed to a music library. Um, and I was fortunate enough after like track 205, I believe it was, I got a placement with Taco Bell for like five figures. And uh, I was just like, okay, that makes sense. Like all that time previously, like it's worth it now. Let's figure out how to do this again. So I reverse engineered it, um, tried to figure out and understand why they chose this song outside of all the other ones I gave them and uh, realized that arrangement, mixing and mastering, of course, and uh, just the metadata side of things was really what I was lacking and so after I changed that, it kind of created a snowball effect. I started getting placements on all kinds of different stuff. Um, I specialize in ads specifically, but I just started dipping my toe into the trailer space just because I love making loud, bombastic music. It's awesome. And because of the skill sets that I had acquired through school and, and all that kind of stuff, it has definitely served me well. And so now, because I'm at a point where my catalogs kind of um, become a a passive income stream for me because I'm signed with a lot of different um, publishers, whether that be sync agents, music libraries, what have you. What I'm trying to do now is since it's developed a way for me as a musician or a music producer to put food on the table as far as with what I like to do anyway, um, how can I share that with, with everyone else? Um, I'm sure. What's the, what's the, the analogy I always like to use as far as with, when you find something really, really cool or innovative, you you can't help but share it because it's like, hey, we've had so much pain trying to figure out how to become TikTok famous just so that we can 
have a run of three months with a popular song before we have to try to do it all over again. I would think it just it seems like the cheat code because there's a lot of starving artists out there, and this is the most efficient way, in my opinion, to actually make a living off of what you do the best. So, yeah, that's now we're here. I'm now I know I've made it because I'm I am on the Roy. I'm on your podcast on Sync Jim. So like full circle. It's full circle for sure. Fuck uh, yeah. Man, that's amazing. Uh, to be honest, like uh, I, I kind of had the opposite of your story. Like I've had the Cinderella story where I had four tracks and one of them got me four figures like uh, after <laughs> after like after leaving the 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 sync space. I was like, fuck it, like take this. I'm I'm out because I need to make money. <laughs> And you know, like, and, and suddenly, uh, uh, yeah, suddenly like four grand came from uh, one of the tracks. And it was, uh, and to, to me, honestly, it, it took me uh, on a different route than you did. And I, I actually love hearing that other angle. For, for me, um, on my journey, I feel like what got me to be placed was something very unique. And that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what it was for you. First of all, was it with a library that it got the five figure or yeah? Yep. Okay. It was a a library. And um, I think what was cool, the library, the deal is kind of weird, but like um, I still have writers and ownership of that song. So like it can get, it's gotten synced before after that as well. So um, definitely a really cool situation and that and i think that's what was the kicker for me was that i still own this like we can sync this again this is amazing so yeah yeah this is fire i mean um something something else also came like you you were talking about kind of diversifying putting putting your music with agents and with um libraries what are the 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 I guess the pluses and the minuses within the within like within agencies, sync agents and libraries. What are the what are the themes of these? Like how do you how do you divide your work with these and how do you see them? That's a good question. Okay. So let's I'm putting my teacher's hat on, so please forgive let's me if I, if I get too crazy. Um I love to use the analogy of a sync agent is to a library like a boutique fashion store is to a Walmart. Okay. So a music library, they have tons of different tracks, sometimes tens of thousands of songs, right? But sometimes when you go to Walmart to find a specific type of shirt, you don't, you don't have it, right? They, they have all these different selections and options, but the one thing that you're looking for, they're like, ah, sorry, we don't have it. Maybe try it back in like two months or something, right? Whereas with a boutique store, they might have that exact piece you're looking for. And um, if, you, if you're, you're like, what else you got? And we're like, well, this is kind of what we do. So we specialize in maybe like denim jeans or something like that. Same thing with a, a supervisor, not a supervisor, a sync agent and a music library. A music library has a, sele- a huge selection of tracks that um, can normally now in the last like four or five years, the production quality of all those songs have gotten a lot better uh, just because of access to tools and things of that nature, which is great. But still, there's a lot of stuff that's normally missing in the library specifically towards what you want. With a sync agent, 
Um, especially because a lot of them deal with artists, you have a little bit more unique nuance to the stuff that's in there. And so the way I've pictured it is it's better geared for music producers if they're making a lot of tracks at scale, um, as far as instrumentals are concerned, is to go with a library first because they can they can really churn out music like a machine. Whereas if you go the sync agent route, they normally need something with lyrics because uh, that's A, it pays a lot more and B, um, it just makes more sense because their their catalog is so much smaller. They're able to pitch your stuff a little bit more often. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I normally try to categorize. The only reason I'm actually with Sync Agents and it's not because of my lyric writing is because I'll collaborate with the artist that's already with them or um, I create an artist duo where I take care of the music side, kind of like the Ryan Lewis, um, Macklemore yeah. duo situation where you got two people that are kind of collaborating to make the music and it's fun. So, yeah. Word. That's that's crazy. And also the fact that you come from jazz. I also uh, played jazz guitar for a long time. So, yeah, it's yep. I, I can I can definitely like when you're when you're speaking, it's like it's a, it's a song I've heard, you know what I mean? Like it's it's just being able to to come up with melodies on the spot mm-hmm. gives so much. It gave me so much as an, an artist for sync because I'm like I've already probably played this melody on my guitar, but now I'm just giving it another uh, uh, another character. I'm, uh, to me, it was like the magic was when I started vocalizing my my notes. So, mm-hmm. so to me, that's so important. Like, and also in jazz, you know, like you hear a lot of pianists. Just just as a side note, a lot of pianists. Like, I don't know if Keith Jarrett is the best uh, uh, example for it because he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like just uh, um like pianists who sing what they're playing um mm-hmm. it has a huge power to it and and that's actually why I started to I feel like why I started to get into doing vocal stuff it was because I wanted to 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 give more depth into these these notes that are played so beautifully sometimes and uh oh, yeah man yeah that's that's a huge thing that was a huge thing so we're going to get you some more jazz jargon here because I don't get it. It's not too often I get to talk to someone else in this space that that does this. So like I always like to tell even with uh, I used to have like a ton of trumpet students when I was coming out of college and I always told them like your, your horn is an extension of your voice. So like um, it's very, very important to make sure even especially in production now, I don't care how technical you can play. Uh, if it's not singable, no one cares. <laughs> you know what I mean? Unfortunately. So like, it's really important because in sync licensing, you need something to where when the music supervisor gets their playlist from a, a library or an agent or whatever, if they can't walk away f- from their computer and still hear your song in their head because the melody's catchy, like it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? So it's very important to make sure that like your melodies are a singable be simple as simple as possible for a four-year-old to sing it back and and see as far as like just relate it's relatability i i can't remember there was a tiktoker that was talking about like how melody transcends language just because like everyone can everyone can sing happy birthday right or um what was something else i learned in college was like uh every i think i can't remember if it was one of the professors that told me but he was like he's traveled all over the world and he's done all these things and when he goes to these schools to teach um, while he's on tour, every kid has the same like, nah, 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 nah. like it's, it's the same everywhere. So it's like, it's crazy if you think about like 
when we get to on to music on a deeper deeper level as far as like frequencies are concerned like that's what we are really trying to do is we're trying to emote the universal language so yeah yeah Sorry, i mean no 100 <laughs> percent. and that's deep, that's why like, you see that's why you see uh artists that just uh um the whole world relates to what they have to say, right? There are just these X factors and these people. You can say they're pop, you can say whatever, but there is something, uh, uh, there is something in somebody like Ed Sheeran or Amy Winehouse where she's not American, but she fucking conquered America. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Adele or people whose oh, yeah. who's, who's language is just, and, and also it doesn't, like Mano Chao, people who, who, it's just how they say something and it gives me goosebumps just to say it where where everybody knows. Like even, you know what? Santana. Wow. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. people who who get it. They they get it. They have the formula and they convert it and and have arenas singing to their guitar. That's that's wild to me. You know, that's that is something that again, it gives me I'm still with goosebumps. And it's just uh, um, what do you think? is a a way for people to 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 start thinking like that start thinking more universal um that's a good question i think that so i used as a trumpet player um maybe i don't know if i'm i was just annoying but i had the the amazing opportunity to stu study under winton for uh, a bit of time and he one of the Biggest things I remember from kind of studying under him is he would always ask me, where do I get my melodies from? Uh, for, for, for practicing, writing new songs and things of that nature. So I think that's really important because that's normal. I mean, we all know like there's, there's nothing new under the sun. So like when you're writing things, it's taken from the experiences that you've already had or maybe things that you're thinking about in the future. So like, when it comes to making simple melodies and things of that nature, I try to pull back from like what I've already experienced, whether that be like John Williams, like we were just talking about, or James Horner. That was one of the, I, I know, I don't know if anyone on the podcast has watched this TV show. Again, I'm showing my age, but there's this show or this cartoon in the eighties called land before time. Are you familiar with no, it? No, I'm not. Oh my goodness. James Horner is the composer on that. And he plays this at the beginning. There's this like really tension while he's like showing these like cartoon dinosaurs. But the score is amazing because there's this like, I think it's a flat seven that he plays at the beginning. And it's just like, oh, it just hits you in the feels. And so like understanding how intervals uh, react to human emotion is what I try to do when I'm making melodies. Um, normally, it's a lot more in inheritive now just because like I've sat down and played the piano and went, okay, how does this make me feel? How does this make me feel? But like, eventually after you step away from having to do that all the time, it comes naturally. And um, I always say, if you can't say what you need to say in four notes, then it might be a little bit too complicated. So, yeah. Oh, I don't know if that answers the question or not. Let me no, know. It's, it's, a whole, like, it's a whole yeah. new, it's a whole new uh, uh, rabbit hole you've just uh, opened there. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. We're talking in tangents. Like where we have like little um, branches off the tree and we're kind of going back and forth between them. But uh, I mean, what? Okay, let's let's get back to, to sync agents and sync, sync okay. agencies. 
How do you choose who to work with? What's your Ooh, kind of yeah? What's what's your what's your your sauce? Um, I okay. Here's another analogy. I always like to use this with my content too. Burger King. If you're from the states, you don't go to Burger King for a taco. Okay, so like, and look, they might have. Who knows? They might have really good tacos, but Shout they're out not Taco no, Bell. Burger King, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout out Taco Bell. <laughs> but like. <laughs> the the thing is, is that like when I go, when I check out a library, I want to see, and I'm very skeptical nowadays because like who would hate for their music to not just collect dust on their hard drive, but on a library shelf, right? So what I do is I try to check out the most recent placement and it can't be anything older than two years for me. Just because like you guys are, if you're pulling in placements, you should have someone update your website. That's just even for your clients. And so what I always do is I check out their placements. If they're placing stuff with brands that I either resonate with or with music that I make already, I know that my music would probably be a good fit for them. You know what I'm saying? So um, what I'll do is if if they make hip hop, pop music or trailer music, I'm looking at what kind of promos they do and things of that nature. And I'll normally I'll gravitate towards stuff like that. Now, again, I I've, Focus more on the ad space just because it's a little more, I wouldn't say strike proof, but like there's during the pandemic, I had probably more placement. That was when like I actually went full time with with sync licensing was because like even though Hollywood was shut down, I was making a lot of ad placements. So and we know these multi trillion dollar companies have plenty of money to spend towards music anyway. So um, with that, I kind of that's another thing that I'll look for personally is that if they have more ad placement or ad clients, then I'll probably think about asking to work with them a little bit more. Um, more, uh, oh, I can't think of the word. Just I'll, I'll put more energy towards it, for mm. sure. Wow. Yeah, so... Whew. So you look at the you look at their placements. Yeah, last two years, you look if, if it resonates. What if they have... A lot of music like yours if they have a lot of music like mine um sometimes what i'll ask is are they i'll, I'll, I'll just straight up ask because sometimes you don't have access to their catalog hey do you need more stuff like this i see you have a lot of placements with this do you need anything fresh if not that's totally fine um but i always try to lead with my best strength instead instead of like i we so i have a um we bring in like music supervisors and we pick their brains about what they're looking for and stuff all the time in my, uh, uh, in the community that we have. And like one of the pet peeves they have is when a a producer or composer says that they can make anything like we're sure you can, but like, what are you really good at? Cause that's what they want. So um, if they have a lot of stuff with what I have, if they need more of it, they'll I'll I'll ask them. Um, But outside of that, I won't dive into a new genre that I'm not super comfortable with because I'm trying to make a first impression. Like if we're going on a first date, like I'm not going to bring all my baggage with me. Right. So I try to make sure that, Hey, this is why I do really, really well. Um, there's some other things I have in the, in development right now, but, um, I want to show you my expensive stuff first before I show you like what I'm working on. A hundred percent. And yeah. And, it's just, it's a conversation starter, right? Like if you come up to somebody in the conversation and, and 
and give them five different subjects that you're interested in, they'll get overwhelmed. It's just like a conversation. And I feel like, yeah, that's how you get rejected for sure in, in a conversation and in a bar. Like in a conversation and in, in, in um and in, in a sync context, I mean, like if you go up to to again, like that's how, you just yeah, you you get you get people turning away from you. And yes, I feel like people who say I do everything. It's it, it, imagine getting an email from somebody saying, "Hey, I do everything. What's up?" Like you right, know, like it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like what a, what kind of conversation are you trying to start? And also, like, right. I, I I wanna I wanna hear like I have a bit of a thing towards templates. Like I'm not the biggest fan, um, but I'd love to hear your output on templates. Okay, so as I mentioned before, as of today, I'm with 15 different libraries. I'll have briefs, and so. In order for me, and I, we should definitely dive deeper into this. In order for me to function and do everything that I do, I have to have some type of structure. So what I'll do is I have a template for specific genres because I know like these are the ingredients to make X Y Z. Um, I'll always have like, for instance, Roy, what what DAW do you work out of? Ableton. Okay, yeah, awesome. I, we're Let's we're go. already best friends. Let's go. So like, um. In Ableton, I will have a drum rack with instrument racks on each pad. So, like, if I want to combine two samples, all I have to do is drag and drop both of them into the instrument rack, and now I have, now I can sound design from there, right? Um, I'll have that. I have some type of sub, um, a contact with like sixteen channels, and that's it. Like, it's not super fancy or anything like that. And that I always have my like my reverb chains and. And things of that nature, but like efficiency is so important in sync licensing. Just because the more you put out, the more wealth building assets you 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 make. So um, I I try to be as efficient as possible with my time in making something, just because um, I know that I can't be married to any of my music. Basically, so the more I make, the more I, I'll hopefully earn in the future. Hundred percent. I I totally agree with that. I have a friend. I'm still. I still need to pick his brain uh, on it, but he has, he works with a lot of artists and mm -hmm. he has shortcuts to the point of he presses something and one plugin comes up. Like that's how. Oh, yeah, Shortcut Buddy? Uh, I don't know which yeah. one it is. Is that Shortcut Buddy? Is that what it's called? Yes. Right. So yeah, so um, in Ableton, and this is for everybody else that doesn't use Ableton, you should, you should switch to Ableton. Just <laughs> But like, Low key. because the, because Max for Live is such a powerful tool. Mm. Like I have shortcuts. Anytime I hit the the letter D, my decapitator from Sound Toys oh comes God. up. Shout I out Sound Toys. Um, I have there's a clip gain button. So like, anytime I hit W, and that's this, you can you can put whatever keys you want. But this is just my workflow. But like, I'll hit W, and not now I can. If I highlighted the clip, I can turn down the gain. I can gain stage right from the arrangement view. Just because like wow. uh, something will pop up and I can just turn down the fader from there. So like just these small little microseconds you save, like it 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 helps. It adds up very, very quickly. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. like I I'd, so there's so much there's so much more, like there's so much to establish in, in efficiency. I kind of I feel like I kind of get wound up in 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 just saying fuck all that and just doing doing my thing. But it's it's so important to 
for me, yes, like chains are so important for, for vocals to know like what, what works and just pull it in and then tweak it if mm -hmm. I need. And right. to have something like a basis to work from. So a starting template um, that will always like in trailer, it's like a, a there will always be something added to that template. You know what I mean? And, yes. and, uh, and but can you imagine pulling up all those sample libraries yeah. one at a time over yeah. and over again? Yeah. Yeah. It's cray cray. Cray cray. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to admit sometimes, like sometimes when I'm starting, when I'm starting fresh, when I'm starting, um, when I really want to just express and and see, I sometimes do that. Like I start with four channels and and just like drag and drop and everything. Arc, man. Yeah, I, I mean, man, that is scary for me. Yeah, like just blank canvas. Like, all right, what you gonna do? Yeah, like. Yeah. Oh man, I, that, but that, that's yeah. sometimes that's when the best stuff comes out for sure. That's 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 exactly it. Like there was uh, a, about a month and a half ago, I've experienced like a heavy burnout where I was like, I needed I needed to recharge and also, yeah, me, me and my girlfriend were going through some stuff and there was a lot oh, of things man. and 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 I was just I was just really feeling the burnout coming like it was it was right there like looking at me saying oh you want me to come in right now and and, and i was like and i was like okay 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 leave me alone i'll just and i just like cleaned the whole thing cleaned the whole template and started from the the the, the typical four channels mm -hmm. and yeah and just thought of a melody and went clean into it it was again it was a lot of baggage that came out because it was just you know, it wasn't for sync. It was just for me. Um, oh, man, that's for, cool. for a whole week, I let myself write. And then what I did was after that week, I got like probably, I got 20, uh, 20 little skits, like little, you know, because I do work fast, but I'm, I just, um, you know, I, I, I spilled all my ideas onto the canvas. And then, um, after a week, I had probably about 20 skits. And then after that, after that week, I was like, okay, what do I, what do I want to work, work with now for what I do? That was mm -hmm. so interesting and fresh to come out of that place. And yeah, now I'm, I'm in, uh, now I'm in touch with a lot of, uh, libraries who want it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting to, yeah, to be able to come in with the melodies that are in my mind, in my head that I feel in the moment that I'm like, whatever, you can place it in whatever, I don't care. And then gear it towards something. So like have something super impactful, a lot of lyrics, a lot of things. And then just like, like you said, narrow it to these four, four notes, you know? That's, that's really powerful, man. Cause like, I think that when we get to that raw state, um, that's going to be more important now than ever before. I was listening to your uh, shout out to the podcast you did on uh, AI not too long ago. Hell yeah. Um, that our artist, our artistry as far as like, and I, I made some content on this recently, like artists, our individuality is going to be so much more important in the next like five, 10 years, just because like there's most people won't do that. You know what I mean? Like just from a blank slate and just coming up with uh, some, some actual like real emotive things um, and then allowing the supervisors to find it and resonate with them like that. You, you got them sold straight from there. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very important. Yeah. So like, no, that's, that's awesome. I, I really feel like, 
originality, sound design, and um, um, just authenticity is going to be a huge thing in the next like five years. A hundred percent with with AI coming up, and I, I also would love your thoughts about it. I mean, what I was thinking again because I'm I'm I do a lot of vocals and a lot of vocal work. I, I'm actually mm-hmm. thinking of you know being very strategic with what I give out and I put out on on public platforms because you know there are uh, there are catalogs that are closed and you know if if suddenly a a, tra- a, a trailer comes and 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 an AI is not completely uh, <laughs> fucked with my voice to that point and mm-hmm. and it comes out and it's something so fresh that people go like whoa then it's it's actually right. something I'm looking to 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 go deeper into. But what are your thoughts on, on that and on what AI will be able to 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 do for the sync world? Um. So I'll, I'll go short term, long term. Yeah. Short term, it's going to make us incredibly more efficient, just because like we'll be able to get our ideas out faster. AI technically has been around for. So I like to think of generative AI as like fancy autocorrect for right now. I, I try to implement it into everything that I'm doing in my business right now as far as like coming up with content, doing things like that, uh, just because it just makes me hyper efficient, right? I can come up with a, a eight minute YouTube script in like four minutes. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, on the on the flip side, on the long term, it's only going to get better. Um, and we have to we have to handle it delicately, I think, just because. Um, as mentioned before, AI has been around for a minute just with like ozone, isotope. I mean, what's the difference between machine learning and AI? Like I was watching a, a tech video the other day because the the Vision Pro came out or is going to come out soon. And AI, the word artificial intelligence never was used in their 45 minute presentation for the thing, which was interesting to me because now now like ai's got this bad branding rep like apple doesn't want anything to do with it which is fine but like if you think about it like machine learning is pretty much the same thing on a i mean on a general scope so like we've been using ozone lander uh you have um neutron doing some things with artificial intelligence now so like it's already been here it's just making us hyper um yeah hyper efficient like you think about Splice, for instance, um, and I know it's a hot topic with sync licensing, so we won't get into that kind of stuff. But like back in the day, you had to before like a resource like Splice was around, you had to hire the musicians. It took way longer to fin- create a finished product that shortened tremendously with Splice being able for us to curate sounds and and be able to come up with our own stuff faster. Now with artificial intelligence, that should speed up the process even more mm. um, as long as you know how to ask it the right things that's something I've also learned um, but yeah we just need to I feel like and I, I'll let the lawyers handle it, handle it for sure because uh, when they when AI started giving legal advice they're like whoa 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 slow down yeah <laughs> so I, I think that it's it's going to be uh, regulated in the next couple months just because I think the hype from what was going on earlier this year has kind of slowed down and uh, with the strikes that are going on, how it's affecting streaming and all those kinds of things, uh, I think the industry as a whole is ready to kind of step back for a minute and kind of figure out, okay, how can we do this so that we're not disrupting 
on a on a larger scale you know what i'm saying because it, it does it definitely has the potential to do that yeah i mean like the the napster revolution is uh what people want or don't want you know it's it's just mm-hmm. uh it's it's a very uh interesting and scary and kind of i mean how do you look at it like what what um of course it's like we're we're playing here with the unknown but how mm-hmm. do you prepare yourself for something like that I try to implement it in everything I'm doing. I literally have like two chat GPT <laughs> tabs on my computer open right now. Wow. <laughs> so like I I try to make sure because I'm getting older now. So like I don't want to be left behind. So what I try to do is I force myself to try to uh, understand and figure out how I can incorporate it into my workflow so that um, when something new comes up, it's not really disrupting. It's, it's adding. Because if you think about all the if you from a business pr- perspective, um, there is no business in the world that stayed selling or consistently with one thing. They had to adapt to the market if they wanted to stay in business. Mm. Um, I can't think of uh, the was it Panasonic? Pan- it was it was a film uh, company that started selling calculators. I can't remember the name of the the, the thing. But like they had to shift or it was just game over for them. And that's the way I feel like music producers or just creatives in general are going to have to shift. If I mean, you go to L.A., you throw a rock in a random spot, you're going to hit someone that says they make music now because Mm. of how accessible it is. So how can we use the tool to make us um, even better at what we're already kind of doing? Because right now, AI is just playing catch up with what we make. But eventually, I predict that it would be able to do its own thing without us. Um, but at the same time, humans are still very, very cool at making uh, new eclectic sounds. Like, who would have thought 10 years ago, like, of coming up with the sound of Phineas and Billie Eilish? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, it came out of nowhere and everybody was like, oh, this is really cool. And then you get the copycats and stuff like that just because yeah. everybody loves the new sound. We're still capable of being in front of AI that way. And we should definitely should uh, try to continue to do that. It's still happening. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like that's what I was saying. Like what AI is going to be able to do is basically in the way that I see it, it's like pop and then what comes after it. And I'm, again, it's my hope that, that it, it won't be able to predict what I do next. And mm-hmm. I'll be able to come with with the next fresh thing. It's just like when you were saying uh, about the rock in LA. I thought, yeah, everybody that you you talk to is a rapper these days, <laughs> right? Like nowadays. everybody's yeah, a like- rapper or a producer. <laughs> yeah, I make music, and and it's like you know, I be I have to say that I've sinned in this. I've become cynical, um, for sure. It's like, oh, you make music, cool. And I just, and I just mm-hmm. go. I mean, like, it, it, I think naturally that just happens. Just I just walk like, away, bro. I don't even talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad. I, like. I mean, well, I mean, like, I think I think Jesse from uh, YouTube, yeah. he, he does a lot of sync education stuff, too. I think he puts it very eloquently when um, he says... That now that we're becoming the old heads, like back in my day, like we didn't have this kind of stuff. Like that's honestly what it is now. Because like you think about, um, yo, imagine what Quincy Jones would have been able to do with Splice. You know what I'm saying? Like it would be wild. And here's the other cool thing. And that's why I really feel like sound design and mixing and mastering is like final frontier for music production. Just because like there's infinite types of sounds and options you can you can 
have. You know what I'm saying? Um, AI is only going to use what you give it, which is like traditional instruments, things of that nature, right? It's not sound design on an epic scale as of yet. We still make cool stuff on accident. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So like there's there's always that. So um, on that front, I feel like if you want to stay ahead of the curve, continue to make your unique sound. Sound design, again, is that's that's what's going to make people stand out. So that's really, really important. Mm, that's huge, man. That's huge. And I, I think, you know, I don't know how, um, yeah, Quincy Jones would, would, would make some weird stuff if, if Splice was out. Um, and you know what? I have to say something about Splice since, uh, since we got there. We, we said the word Splice about four times. And I feel like that's, that's the time where we can, we can open it a little bit. And there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy about it. The way that I see it, um, I I know sample based uh, producers who actually work with it and use and do it for sync with very good uh, legal teams behind them. They use mm -hmm. uh, melodies, they use words, like they use a lot of things from Splice, and and the legal teams are behind it, are standing behind it, and are like, yeah, we can do this. Um, and yeah, I was I was actually scared to the point where I was submitting to a label and it was with um, with a percussion loop. And I told them, yeah, guys, I don't know if this… They loved the track. And then I was like, yeah, I don't know if this will pass. I think it… I'm so sorry. It, it has a little percussion loop. And I was scared to that point. And they were like, no, nah, fuck that. You know, <laughs> like it just, <laughs> just bring it to us. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what, 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 is, what, is your, what is your take on this? So it's… It's not illegal. Let's. I, I would. I want to make sure that's clear to everybody. It's not illegal to use royalty-free samples from Splice or Looperman or wherever you get them. The problem is, is that it it hurts your publisher and your reputation. Okay, you think about it from. Let's just think about it in layman's terms. If I took an eight-dollar loop and flipped it so that now I'm making tens of thousands of dollars, like that seems just too easy, right? Um, every, I think everyone, well, maybe everyone doesn't know. So let's talk about that too. Content ID is the reason why, um, loops or melodic loops are a problem in sync licensing. So let's say Pepsi gives you, I don't know, $20,000 for a 30 second spot, right? Um, if some kid in Podunk, Missouri had used that same sample, maybe, and we all have the same tools nowadays, right? Yeah. So like, if it's from Splice or from what's the other one from Output Arcade, like if we're using the same tools and the same sample, like eventually with as many producers as there are now, I can't remember the the theory that that uh, goes with that. Just there, just with infinite amount of possibilities, you're going to run into the same sound. Yeah, eventually, right? So like if I already published something like that, even three days before you, you're going to get it. Pepsi's going to get a content ID strike and they're not going to be very happy about that. Mm. And so um, with a lot of libraries that I've seen, um, they've sent out addendums to their their uh, contract saying, hey, like if you use no more royalty-free loops from, and they'll list a bunch of common companies, like don't use them because if you do, like we got recourse. We're not dealing with that anymore. It just hurts the reputation of the library, which in turn is going to hurt you because now they won't have that client to get you more placements. So like I always say recreate the sample because now it's not a sample anymore and you're, it's never going to be exactly the same. So now you're free of legal trouble because it's not a sample. 
Um, the other thing you can do to get around it as far as with, I mean, and I, I know for a fact, I literally, I met someone from, I met the VP of, um, of splice two, three months ago at NAM, And they're, they're trying to figure out a better way to kind of make sure that that's not as big of a problem for people in sync licensing. So you never know, like in the next couple of years that, that this might not be a problem anymore. But um, that's what I always do. Um, as, funny story with your percussion loop you were talking about. Uh, I did a project with Apple's. Uh, what's the what's the name of their series? They did a they do a short series on like new products that they have, and I sent in a song, and it had a percussion loop from like I don't know a Cymatics pack or something like that. I I'm not biased to percussion loops just because like it's rhythm. Like what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um. But their content ID picked it up. They're like, yo, is this cool? Like, what's up with this? They, I was like, I wonder if they just, they didn't throw it up on YouTube. They have their, I mean, it's a trillion dollar company. They have their own software for everything. So um, they're just like, mm, what's up with this? And I had to like show and prove to them like, hey, this is okay to use and all this kind of stuff. So like it, it, it can be very dangerous. I could have lost out on a lot of money <laughs> if mm. I wasn't able to show like, no, this is okay. Uh, the sample is cleared. So um, I always say like, just recreate the sample. It'll it'll make you a better producer because now you're learning sound design. You're you're trying to um, use your ears in a different way, and it just makes you, now you have that sound forever. Um, I always I'm listening to like Spotify and things. I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. Like, let me try to recreate that and add it to my arsenal of sounds that I, that I just have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, that's that's my take on it. But yeah. sorry, I'm <laughs> very yeah, long winded. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, the the fact is that in the the reason i want to i wanted to circle back to this is because i mean sound design is it's basically everywhere it's in everything it's it's just uh, um people say to me i don't do sound design it's too uh time heavy it's too time consuming whatever but i mean man like are are there no sounds that you just make that are so stupid and that are weird and that are yours <laughs> that you can record right. into a microphone or into your computer and play with it and it will be super fun for you. Like, I I don't see how it's not fun and, and, and I don't know, and developing for somebody to do it. it it's also a way to, to be less jaded about making music, in my opinion. Like, again, pulling the same, same templates, same thing, same that. There was, um, I got, I, I think I got into a state where I was like, I was in a crazy state where I was just like making, making, making like a machine. And then I, I was making a battle, battle drum album for, for um, a friend and a publisher. And I was like, okay, this sounds like drums. Cool. What can I, what now, what, what can I do? And I, I used to, I used to, to uh, beatbox and make a lot of weird noises with my homies. Yeah. So, um, and and funny story, I used to like. I became after I finished my beatboxing uh, beautiful career. I um I uh, became friends with the best female beatbox to this day in the world. What? Yeah, she's still That's crazy. She she performs in Broadway and yeah. Shout out to Kayla Milady. Um and uh yeah yeah. So we. we like you know, me and these people would just would just hang out, and she would make like the sound of a tennis ball, and we would do like like we're play, playing tennis and shit like that, you know, like stupid shit. But you know, like it would it, it just cracked us open, and there was 
was this one sound, which I'm, I'm like, I, I whistle and I vocalize. It sounds like, like this. Oh, and, cool. And, uh, yo, if somebody takes this shit and, and, and puts it in their track, <laughs> I want my 20%, bitch. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. It's written <laughs> in the metadata. Nah, uh, so I, I just did this and, um, and, and it added the whole, the whole track became the track because of this. And I use it till this day. Like I, I use a, a, a crazy reverb and a, and a, and a, and a, and a distortion on it. And it just, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's become a thing for me. It's become a trademark where I'm like, that's oh. your sonic fingerprint. Bro. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Um, what, oh, I wanted to ask you, what is your, what are your thoughts about teams? Teamwork. I think it's important. Um, so anytime I've never, ex I've been fortunate enough not to really experience burnout on the, as I've, I've only been producing for like what, 2017. So about five, six years or so, give or take. Um, I think it's important because, okay, back to the jazz thing. Let's okay? go. How many times have you been doing a bunch of gigs and you just get sick of hearing yourself or your ideas all the time? All the time, right? And the only way you can get out of it is that you have to stop playing, open up your ears, and listen to what what else is going on around you. Because now you're having the whole impro improvisation of a conversation with whoever else is on stage with you, which is great. And as a rhythm section player, you totally understand this because you guys have to interact all the time just to make sure that the momentum of the song keeps moving, right? 100%. But like that's, I feel like it's just as important in the production sync space as well is to be able to have another brain to at least either tell you that's nah, a bad idea. We should go left instead. Or like, Hell, Oh man, that's really, really cool. Like what if we build on top of this? Um, I think it's important. Sometimes I feel like there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, if it gets over like, like two where? or three people, yeah, okay. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, I do think that if you specialize in something and you're able to contribute it uh it just makes the process more fun and i mean i think that since we're more in the film industry than the music industry it's a lot easier to kind of do splits and stuff because we all know it's going to make it's going to make something you know what i mean yeah. now everyone's equally vested and now you got more people pitching the same song because they're involved 100% so. 100% uh yeah and, and also a fact that is that i've overlooked is the fact that even when you work with an agency or a label, you're still doing teamwork, right? You're getting the feedback. You're getting uh, somebody who likes it. You look, you see. Um, and also like one sign for me, if I want to work with a label or somebody is how long they take to, to respond to me. And it's all right. If, yeah. And if, and if it takes them a, a whole bunch to, to communicate with me, it's, it's, it's okay. There's no problem, but that's how it's going to go. And it does it fit, does it sit well with me? And sometimes it doesn't. So I'll have to find a different team and it's all right. Mm -hmm. And, but that's, that's where it's at. Like, I mean, there's a lot of ways to approach teamwork, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a, so I'm a huge basketball fan, as you could probably see. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, really appreciate teamwork when it comes to okay everyone has a role if you play your role correctly we should win the game 
right? So you have a score, you have you have your big guy that's supposed to get the rebounds. Everybody does their job and doesn't play hero ball and thinks they can do everything. We'll normally get to success of whatever we're doing. So in terms of sync, like it's the same thing with between just even just yourself and your publisher, because you think about it, it's your job to to create something. They'll help you shape it based off of the experience they already have and knowing what sells, right? And then it's their job to to find a home for it so that you can get placed. So like if you don't have that communication back and forth and that synergy, um, a lot of the majority of the placements I get is from publishers that I I know personally. You know what I'm saying? Like I've I've when I go to visit them in Los Angeles, like I'll I'll make sure that we have a coffee or something like that just to continue that the to build that relationship because something that was crazy last year and I didn't I never noticed it, but like a lot of people moved in the industry come like the end of quarter four, like around Christmas time. Like everyone's switching jobs or getting promoted and things of that nature. And so if you have that relationship, when they move to another library, you have a shoe in now. Like you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of sending cold emails and all that stuff. Just hit up your your homie from the other one and be like, hey, how's how's life? And normally they're like, oh yeah, we we remember your music. We did XYZ together. Like I have some other opportunities. Would you like to sign on to this library as well? A hundred percent. And so like it's it's teamwork's very, very important. And also, it helps with networking. yeah. And also, some composers you're going to work with are going to start a label, maybe, and mm-hmm. or they're gonna they're gonna go. It goes into so many places. Like you can f- find yourself in so many places just from collaborating with with a producer, with J Will, with whoever. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, um, I, I think that's that's the key here. Like that's the key. Uh, um, that's what I wanted to actually. Uh, um, drive home is the point that every, almost everything is done with teamwork. And if the team sucks, then you're probably on the wrong team. You're, you, you, you probably shouldn't. I want to be the, the guy holding the team back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Trying to get there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, that, it, that's what it is. It's, it, it, and it means that maybe this team shouldn't win, you know? Because I, I love what you said. Like, if you do these things, this team should win, right? But if I'm I'm a player and I don't feel like we should win, then then here it's not like in a basketball team where you're signed for a year or whatever. Here you can actually just take your things and go if it doesn't feel right and go like, hey guys, maybe we've done this project. It, it was okay, but I, I'm going to go here to the next one because I feel like this team will appreciate me more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got to know when to do that as well. Like, don't keep sending music if they're not, you're not getting results. 100%. Is that uh, insanity? That's the, that's, <laughs> the, that's the definition of insanity in sync, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's a huge, what's a, what's a, like a huge mistake you see a lot of, of composers do? Ooh, I just made a YouTube video about this. Let's go. So, and we'll link um, to it, by the way, in the show notes. Like, and again, oh, cool, cool, Will's, awesome. Will's content is freaking insane. So I, I recommend a, a, anybody and everybody go check it out. Um, yeah, links will be there. Good. Appreciate it, man. Good looking out. Um, I think the biggest mistake that I see beginners make, I do like beginner, intermediate, advanced. Beginners, um, it's the expectation of immediate success. Um, sync is a long game, so it's better to understand like 
and I'll use this analogy just because I, it's fresh because I j literally just edited the video. Think of sync licensing as gardening. Okay, like you can do all the things. You can make the music. You can you can send it, send out emails. You can hit supervisors up in the DMs, like all that stuff. But like you still have to wait for the the tree to grow. Like trees don't grow. Money trees don't grow in like two days after you put the seed in the ground. That's impossible. So you can do all the work in the world, but you still have to wait for the seed to germinate. So in red in like to think about that in in layman's terms, as far as like with sync licensing, like. Just understand that it's a process and the more work you put in, the the more results you're more likely to get. So like that's the first thing. Intermediate level, I would say mistake is just not reading your contracts. Um, that's a really big mistake that could get you in a little bit of trouble just because like I know you're super excited that you've gotten into a library that maybe you were really, really excited about. But sometimes those contracts can be a little bit different if you're not aware of of uh, your um, the value of your music and just like how legal things work with sync licensing. Um, not to say that everyone's out to get you or anything like that, but just understanding just like terms and agreements are important, right? Like for instance, there was one library, I won't mention the name, but like th their terms was like four or five years. It's just like, that's a long time for me to wait before my music's available to move to somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? So like, you got to kind of understand um, those kinds of things so that you can kind of figure out, okay, is it worth my stuff? Am I confident that they're going to get me something where it, it's actually worth to keep it there for X amount of time? You know what I'm saying? And then the, the, uh, for advanced people mistake I still see is like you were saying, just the lack of networking. Um, you can, you can have a really great relationship with a library and, be that one man army, but like eventually what's going to happen is that everyone from that company in five years is probably going to leave and then you're not going to have those same contexts. So like it's important to continue to expand uh, not just your creativity, but your network. So yeah. Boom. That's, that's a lot. And yeah, one, one more thing before we check out here. I mean, so Wow, we've we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. My, my, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of just like uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually curious about one more thing. Um, when you when you look at a at a publisher at a, a contract from a publisher, I mean, sync agents, of course, like it can be it can be way more negotiable. But mm -hmm. libraries, do you feel like it's 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 still negotiable? Have you ever negotiated really with libraries? Um, pins. Um, if a library has been around for a while, they either become more artist centric or they become more like black and white. And what I mean by that is like, hey, we have a lot of people on our art on our roster. Like, this is just how just the because they have so much music and just so many people in their their roster as far as composers artists what have you like they have to keep everything consistent just to make sure that <laughs> yeah. nothing gets confused yeah you know what i mean so i can understand both paradigms um normally i will say that the more the ones that are more artist centric get more interesting placements i would say just because they're a little bit more eclectic and they put the artist first and the artists normally are going to work much more for someone like that. So like you see like these 60, 40, 70, 30 deals sometimes even um, with uh, agents just because like they they were maybe 
artists themselves at one point. So they, they understand and appreciate the, the work that goes into doing that. And so, um, it's cool when you find, and that's another thing I try to look for in our, um, sync reps is like, do they really represent the, the music maker? So whether that be like they, their staff has a lot of music background or if, um, you just know that you can tell when someone's advocating for just making sure that you get what you're worth. Um, I think that's important. So like, I think that that would be the best way to kind of go about it. If that makes any sense. Hopefully I answered your question. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, there's a lot of approach also to perpetuity deals and also all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff uh, where, you know, like people like uh, Clint, you know, he shout out to Clint. um, And he says, if you want to put your your tracks, I mean, he he's he actually advocates to put putting your tracks in uh, in libraries that are uh, for perpetuity. If your track can make you money forever, then put your track in in a place where it can make money forever. But I mean, yeah, and, and there's there's different approaches to it, and it's it's just uh, yeah, it's interesting because you were talking about your story where it was like five years and it was a lot to me. Um, I mean. I put my tracks in a lot of in, in a few libraries who were in perpetuity, and I, I had no problem problem in doing so. Um, but I totally agree with the fact that it's uh, it's it's very important to to look at the terms of of a deal, and and actually like one more t- tiny thing before we leave, we had a team. I had a team where I was a part of. I did vocals for. But mm-hmm. all the team was in on something. They were in on signing it to a library, which which signed signed us with a deal that I didn't like, which was a buyout, and they don't give us anything if there's sync fees. That's what it means. Like that's that was a weird one. So Whoa. yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody was in, and I was the only one who was like the bummer, you know, like the guy who the the guy who's like the how do you call it the the um, like the Eeyore or whatever. I was like. <laughs> Guys, the I, was, I was the Eeyore. <laughs> oh man! Shout out the to Debbie Eeyore. Downer. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. How do you call it? How do you? How did you say? Debbie Downer. Debbie Downer. I was the Debbie Downer. I, I like the Eeyore though. I like the I like Eeyore. Eeyore better. Yeah, yeah for sure. Shout out. Um, so, <laughs> so, so I was, I, I was telling them, listen, I'm, I'm not, I'm not signing a not contract. Really. I, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable. And they were like, "No, nah, man, we gotta, we gotta do it. Let let's just do it." And and the the um, they they did like a little buyout or something like that. But then they pressured me into signing this, and I, and I mean, till this day, it's 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 there. And uh, whether I'm happy with it or not, um, it was actually a really fast workflow. So I I probably knocked out these four tracks in a day. So I, I was. It's not a big. It's not a. It's not a huge thing on my heart, but it's just. Again, it goes back to team teams, and it goes back to to communication and to reading contracts. I actually whip contracts into ChatGPT after I read them and ask for ChatGPT yeah, to 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 um to, explain to me like I'm five. Yeah, explain it to me like a like a, a, a like I'm a, a fifth grader, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and that's what it does, and it's it's that's that's something it's great for, and. Yeah, and and use I feel like use your resources um, and and your gut as well. But man, uh, Jay, will I'm I'm so grateful for you giving giving me your time and your energy and and 
yeah, where where can people find more of your wisdom, man? Because you you obviously got a lot. <laughs> you can find all of my wisdom at Sync Licensing Gems. Just go check out all the videos <laughs> and, and things that you've done, bro. I've learned so much from your content. Like I'm I'm a huge fan, so I'm just really thank you so much for like allowing me to to be in your presence to to do this thing. You're living my dream right now in Bali. That's freaking awesome. I got to pick your brain about that later. Yeah, let's do um, that. But yeah, you can check me out on all socials, XJ underscore Will. And uh, we we have different programs to try to help more music um, creatives in general just get into sync licensing and um, hopefully create another revenue source for you. Um, we do have a community that's really, really cool where, like I was mentioning before, we bring in like sync agents, music supervisors to do feedback sessions every week, which is fun. And uh, yeah, I want to join that. Let's go. Yeah, for sure, bro. Hell yeah. We got to get you in there. Let's go. Um, but like, yeah, it's just, it's really, actually, we should bring you in as a, like, we, as a special guest to interview Ooh. for sure. That'd be awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, But like, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really, really fun. And we're just, I'm all about the process and making sure that we're, we're cre- continuing to make our music sound more expensive. So hit me up. Expensive is where we want it to be. Uh, brother, thank you so much for coming on. Yo, I've enjoyed this so much. We had a long conversation after this interview. And Jay Will's the real deal. Go ahead, check him out. Wherever he is, wherever you are, he has something going on. So do that. If y'all want to support the podcast, first of all, please go rate and review it right now. Right now. It really helps. And... Yeah, if you want to get the course by Michael Moss, still 30% off for this week only, and then it'll go back to normal price. Coupon code and links will be in the show notes. And yeah, if you want to say something to me, hit me up, give me $1,000, whatever y'all want to do, just hit me up via socials. My name, Roy Matz or Sync Gems will get you a reply from yours truly. Uh, Love y'all. See you in the next episode of Sync Gems. I'm Roy Matz. We out.